Coming up, a girl was injured by a flying cell phone at Six Flags. Oogie Boogie Bash has sold out for this Halloween season. Universal Studios Hollywood adds Nope, Jupiter's claim set to a studio tour. And United has expanded their pilot program. All this and more coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the Haunted Attraction Network podcast, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Today, we're bringing you our weekly segment of Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. On Green Tagged, every Monday, we break down the larger entertainment news and why it matters to you. Green Tag is a segment that is co-hosted by myself and Scott Swenson. And with that, here's the show. From our studios in Los Angeles and Tampa, this is Green Tag, Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip. He's Scott. And Scott, an eight-year-old girl in Riverside, was injured on a Six Flags Magic Mountain ride by a flying cell phone. Really, Philip? Do tell. <laughs> you made that so conversational, I figured I'd make it sound like we were just having a chat. <laughs> Well, apparently, an eight-year-old girl was taken to a hospital with an injured forehead after being hit by a flying cell phone from another guest while riding the Twisted Colossus roller coaster at Six Flags Magic Mountain in Valencia, California. It's like 10 minutes away from me. The girl underwent a CT scan and received 10 stitches to treat the wound, so it was... It, it was not like it was minor. It definitely was a, yeah, this is, a, this a is larger... A this is a serious issue. This is a, this is a, this is a serious issue. And... W- I think what's what's more interesting about this is the park's response and the family's response. So what the father said is, he said he thought it was similar to a hit and run with a vehicle. If you injure someone and leave the scene, it's the same thing to me. And he went to the park later in the day, the, the dad does, and asked for an, the incident report that his wife had filled out and was told that they were not allowed to give that to him because it was for internal use only. He also said the park security refused to turn over information about the man who was responsible. It wasn't actually a man. It was like another child. And apparently, <laughs> apparently, like the kid also came up to the the girl who was hit afterwards and uh, was kind of like, it's not a big deal. You're overreacting. <laughs> it's like walked away. So like they did, there was like a, an encounter, like guests on guests, like the guests did, did see the person and that kind of stuff. Um, in response to eyewitness news, an inquiry about the statement, of course, the spokesperson for Six Flags Magic Mountain released this statement, which they gave to ABC7, which I will read. <laughs> Our ride safety policy strictly prohibits all loose articles on rides. Safety is a partnership between our guests and the park, and guests must follow all written and verbal instructions for safe riding. Our park safety team has already responded to this guest's request for information, which <laughs> apparently the response was no. <laughs> Sorry. Well, uh, I, I don't know, Scott, what do you think? You know. Well, I, I will say that, you know, uh, responded with investigating no. anything, yes, any sort of any sort of investigation um, or any sort of report that is uh, an incident report it should indeed be kept under lock and key and is an internal document. That is that is very true. Um, that is because they're the ones who who gathered that data. So therefore, they should have that data. Obviously, if it were, it's not the same as a police report. Let me just put it that way. A police report, if a police report is ever filed, Correct. Is, right. is public knowledge. That, that is public data that anyone has access to. Um, this is not. So, so it, is un, it is not at all unusual for them to say this is um, an incident report that was gathered by 
um, the people in the park and is not available for public consumption in any format whatsoever. And that protects both the park and the individuals who contributed to that report. So, so that makes total sense to me. That's nothing snide or sneaky or underhanded on the part of the park. I do find it interesting that the, the, the statement that, that rings a little bit unusual to me is safety is a partnership between our guests and the park and the guests mm -hmm. must follow all okay but what is the what are the ramifications if they don't follow or what things do you have in place to make certain that they are following um you know yes i agree with Correct. i agree with the with the sentiment of that statement however that seems in a very subtle way of the park saying well we do what we can and we hope the guests will do their part as well. I, I'm, Correct. Not, I'm not sure that's a really good position to put yourself in just personally. Um, having, you know, having worked on both sides of this, having been a, a representative of parks and having been a representative who uh, works with parks, um, that that's not a terribly strong statement. Um, that's kind of like trying to, in my opinion, or the way it reads to me, is it's it's sort of like trying to put the blame back on the guest. And I never think that's a good idea. So if there is a problem, yep. if there is a problem in enforcing those rules, then it's up to the park to figure out a way to make them more enforceable. Does that make sense? Yep. That was exactly what I was thinking, is that I, I think that the parents are understandably upset and I do think that uh, I, I, heard, I heard also in a different report that they they kind of tried to file a police report and they tried to like kind of do all that. But it, I don't think I'm not sure if that went anywhere. I guess we'll, we'll find out if that did or not. But, you know, um, I do think that the park is correct, right? You can't give you certainly cannot tell the guests like we found the guests that whose cell phone hit you and here's their information. Like you cannot do that. That's, that's, that, that is definitely like, you know, I think what they did in terms of technical response, like that, that is correct, but it's more like the PR response that is really wildly out of whack here. Um, and I would even say to your point, what are the consequences? I'm sure there is a written policy that says they're going to be banned from the park or whatever. Some, somewhere there, there should be like an umbrella. There always is of, you do this and then you get your pass revoked or whatever. There should be. There should be, but there isn't necessarily. <laughs> there should be. <laughs> in most, in oh, most park Lord. situations, it is usually the, 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 the roughest wording or the sturdiest wording you will ever see is uh, further action may be taken by the park, which is a big elastic clause yeah. that allows them to do whatever they feel is necessary. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's a kid who snuck their cell phone on and um, it fell out yep. of their pocket you know, I, I'm sorry for the little girl, and I and I and I, you know, ten stitches is nothing to be to be snickered at. I totally get that, and that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, you don't want the uh, 14 year old who snuck their cell phone. I'm making that that age up. I have no idea who the actual person was, um, because again, I don't have access to those documents either, nor should I. So, uh, yeah. The, yeah. You know, the 14 year old who snuck their phone on, they shouldn't be locked up in prison either. So we got to kind of take yeah. this as an unfortunate situation that yes, if I were the park, my screening proper, my sc I would do a whole review on how we screen people for whether they're taking phones onto the, onto the rides or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. that would, and that yeah. would, and you my, would say that that's that the thing. My response. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's clear that it's clear that we will, or, or we will continue to uh, make certain that guests do their part in following our rules. You know, there was, that part was not added yeah. and I felt that was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. I agree with that. Like hundred percent. They, they should not have blamed the, the basically they, they kind of made it seem like it was the guest fault. They shouldn't have done that. They should have at least said, I, I feel like that's kind of what, if I were the parents, especially that's what I would want to hear is like, you know, this is what we're going to do to make sure this doesn't happen in the future, or at least to like figure out if, you know, and to me reading this, it seems like there was, it's just one of those staffing things that we have been talking about forever that, you know, new staff, young staff, whatever, not properly trained. Like they didn't realize to check a kid's pockets when they're on or like whatever, like there's, there's, there's ways to sneak a cell phone on that, you know, you kind of have to learn on the job that, to look for that they probably didn't check what for whatever, you know, but I, I definitely would have like, it, it needs to be phrased differently. It needs to be phrased like we're, this is what we're doing to address it. We've done this, we've done that. We've adding extra training. Um, you know, we're making attempts to contact the individual um, to make sure that they're aware of the park policies and, and face proper ramifications or something like, like a two, like a month suspension from the park or something. I don't know. What's, what's yeah. missing is what happens now or what happens yeah. next. Yeah. Instead it was just like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we do this. And then also we respond to their requests. Like what? I, I yeah. that's one of those things where I'm like, well, this is like, this is not just a bad response. This is a terrible PR response, but anyway. Well, or in fairness, who knows? Maybe it was edited. I don't know. But, um, the, the truth of the matter is when anytime a parent's child is injured, um, they are going to be overly and yeah. overtly concerned. And I get that. And I yeah, totally, and justifiably too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're not, you know, and they they don't want to hear anything other than you're going to take care of my baby. And I, I get that. Yep. I get that totally. Um, but again, I, uh, and this is, I mean, this is, we've said it over and over again, the park responded well, except for their PR statement. And that was just sorely lacking in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Based on this information. Well, sure, crowds are not sorely lacking, are they? No, crowds are not sort of lacking, which, you know, <laughs> doing just down the five to Disneyland, as we talked about a few weeks ago, Disneyland had their Oogie Boogie Bash tickets. They Well, first they announced the event, right? And then tickets went on sale and they did this phased, as Disney does normally, they did this phased ticket selling thing where the annual pass holders and D23 people got to purchase their passes early and... In in a move that was actually a little bit surprising for me, but I guess I guess I should be over at this point. But the tickets for the entire season, the entire run of the event, sold out in less than a week. So that means that basically within just a few days after it was opened to the general public, then the ticket sold out. So I guess we mm-hmm. should we should be. Uh, I guess it's a good thing that the general public even was allowed to buy them, <laughs> but but it definitely, it, it sold out very fast. And there's still a lot of people that were interested in, in the event that didn't get tickets. I know several of them <laughs> were texting me. Um, I will tell you that I am not ashamed to admit that I had a timer set on my phone and I was like at the gym when it went off and I was like, I have to take a whole break over here to the side to like log into my account and get the like early tickets. I'm... <laughs> Like I'm not ashamed to admit that, but I will say that the the prices though went from like one twenty nine on just the weekdays up to uh, one seventy, you know one seventy one eighty plus taxes. So it is a uh, more than a, a day ticket, you know, for the event in, in certain circumstances, like on the weekend. So it kind of did add a whole separate second gate to that, you know. So so demand 
is there. It's strong. Ob- obviously, yes. And well, and it kind of goes in line with what we started to say several months ago um, that, you know, the wave we were seeing of people returning to theme parks was the beginning and it was going to continue to crest. Um, I think we yeah. are, I think this is just a perfect example of that. The one thing I would ask is what is, and, and I don't know what the, the rules are or what the laws are in California, but is there a secondary market for these tickets? Is there a, like a, I, I don't want to say scalper because yeah. that sounds, uh, that sounds unscrupulous, but is there a ticket resale market? Uh, because I know that, that that is something that certainly happens with concerts and happens with um, events pretty much everywhere else, but California has some weird rules. So I don't know, is that, is that something that exists? And, and if so, you know, are there still ways to get your Oogie Boogie tickets if you didn't set your timer and had to leave the gym? Yeah. I kind of want to be like, no comment on that. I mean, I think, I think they're technically it's, it's like written into the ticket policy Okay, that, that is not allowed okay. because, um, because even when you buy the tickets, you have to put the name on them. Like when you buy them at mm-hmm. the point of purchase, when they're in your shopping cart, they have to be named. But of course there is a way to transfer tickets. And of course, you know, real emergencies come up, right? Where, sure. where, you know, you're, you got sick, you know, and then you, are going to let your friend go instead or whatever. So there, there are ways to transfer tickets. Um, and I know there are ticket markets out there. Mm-hmm. Um, how I'm not sure, you know, how, how reliable any of that is. I'm not sure how, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, there is, there is a, there is a market for them. <laughs> well, and, and what's interesting is I, the reason I say that is because it, back in the dark ages, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't resell concert tickets, but now there are legitimate um, businesses yeah. that are online businesses that, you know, rebook, redistribute, shall we say, um, concert tickets. And, and in fact, even Ticketmaster will allow you to resell a purchase ticket at a higher price. You know, it was it, uh, back in the day, it used yeah. to be illegal to sell a ticket for higher than its, its list price um, for a concert. But that is clearly yep. not at all the case anymore. And it's, you know, it's considered, um, I don't know, I think the way they got around it was it's a, it's a convenience fee. Of like 250 yeah. percent um so I, well, I i don't know because i, I can I, tell you i often wonder when they sell out like that it makes me suspicious yeah i i can tell you right now um while we were talking i did look it up um there are tickets available on ebay right now um they are roughly twice the price that you would have paid if you bought the tickets normally um because you can buy one ticket for $365 mm-hmm. for like the October 29th one. And that was the one that was like, that was like 180, one, like 175, 180. So basically, you know, roughly double the price or more. There are other, um, there are other tickets that are a little bit more expensive in the $500 range for one ticket. But uh, this one is, you know, this listing is $365 and uh, has already sold four, so. So what that suggests to me is that somebody on eBay decided, you know, I want to pay my rent this month. Um, I'm going to set my yep. timer. I'm going, like not that it tickets. was you, Philip, yeah. but I'm going to set my timer and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get my ticket limit and uh, and then just resell them at twice the price. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So let's hope Disney doesn't get any ideas because we don't need them doubling the price. Well, but the thing is, Disney, I, I think Disney has responded to that. I think, you know, doing doing the the the, the pricing based on, on day, pricing based on ticket sales, they've done that with hotels for years. Yeah. The the in, in Florida, the hotel discounts um, or hotel pricing was all based on how uh, sold the hotel was. You know, the more sold the hotel was, yep. the higher the t- the higher the room rate went. So yeah, dynamic pricing, yeah. So yeah. dynamic pricing has has been part of their model forever, and um, yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that the people who are just as as dedicated as you are, but not as organized, are are out there spending twice as much for the tickets because they're they have to go, they have to go. Yeah, and so it's it's I hate to say it, Philip, but it's almost like an addiction. And it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting to me that, and we all have them. I mean, you know, I've done the same, I've done the same thing for limited edition art pieces where I will literally set a timer because I know that the, the 80 pieces that this artist is putting out is going to get sold within the first 30 minutes. I know that. Yep. And if I want it without paying the premium of the resale market, then I've got to do it and I've got to get it. So I, I understand yep. that I'm not being I'm not being judgmental, but I'm saying there is an addiction situation here that's uh, that's true, certainly true with Disney and to a certain extent with other parks as well. Yeah, I guess we'll just see how how long this demand will stay like this. You know, um, it's yeah. We we again we're. we're just presenting these data points. We've been talking about this for quite a while about the how 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 long the demand is going to stay this strong and et cetera et cetera. Even as you know, some would say the the experience deteriorates, but clearly it doesn't matter. Still doesn't matter. So so anyway, uh, going up the five a little bit. Universal Studios Hollywood uh, is adding a new set. We're just driving around. Philip I know. I know that 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 was the theme for today's show. Is uh, places Philip goes on uh, the weekend. It's Actually, a beautiful day in the okay. neighborhood. A beautiful day. But for maybe I will go to Universal again now. <laughs> They're adding a new uh, set to their studio tour. <laughs> so starting July twenty second, Universal Studios Hollywood will add the Jupiter's Claim set from Jordan Peele's new horror movie Nope during the park's world famous studio tour. It's going to be a permanent addition to the tour, and it'll debut in tandem with the theatrical release of the film, making it the first time the studio tour attraction has opened with a movie release. So this is just a quick note here in that I I want to see more of this. I think this is a good... <laughs> this is a... <laughs> finally have a reason for bringing them... A good reason for bringing... For mentioning Universal Studios Hollywood, <laughs> which I've been waiting for it for a while. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is good. It, it kind of... Um, Again, we talked last week about the differentiation and Cedar Fair selling the park, and et cetera, et cetera, and like how parks are going to differentiate. And the studio tour has always been the differentiator for Hollywood. It's like the only reason to go to the park. I mean, maybe it's not really for other people. In my, it's for me, it's really the only reason I go anymore. And it's the best part of their Horror Nights event. I'm sure this is going to be part of their Horror Nights event. And I think this is a good idea to partner with the IP. You already have it there to put it in the asset. It doesn't. It's not too much of a stretch in terms of extra costs and logistics. And I think it's a big, it, it's a big benefit for, for the amount of costs involved. But what do you think, Scott? Well, I, so I, I question, I question adding it as a permanent element on its release date. Um, that to me says it is far more about the IP agreement than it is about the guest experience. 
And that makes me nervous. That makes me very nervous. You can't say that this is a classic horror film because it hasn't been released yet. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I find that the because to me I and I haven't done I haven't done the studio tour in Hollywood in many 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 years, and the thing I liked about it was you know you got to see uh, looking at, at at the at the backlots where so many different things were shot. That was the joy of it. Taking and adding a very specific set to me isn't saying we're going to do this because this is going to be a movie that that generation after generation after generation are going to remember. It looks like they're doing it as a promotional tour for or a promotional tool for the for the new film. I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. I mean, they say permanent, but like permanent could be a year, <laughs> you know, I mean, and they'll be like, oh, we're going to change it now. I mean, like, I don't think there's. I think what they meant by permanent was more like we're not going to take it down after a week. Yeah, I mean it's an installation. It's it's clearly an installation. It's Correct. Not, it's not a pop up. It's clearly an installation. Yeah. I get that. Correct. I get that. But again, as as even the the press release says, um, this is the first time this has been done before. You know, this is the first time it's ever yeah. been done. Doing it, which is good. I mean, they need to experiment with something different. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not opposed to I'm not opposed to the experimentation. <clears throat> My concern is that it's not based on guest experience; it's based on um, the finances of the film and trying to make it so. You know, this is this may who knows this may be a crossover step or a test step to actually do a whole area or a whole land in yeah. you know Universal Orlando. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's let's see. Our next story here. I was gonna say um, we're gonna we're gonna fly over to. You're gonna a, do a bad a flying park. pun, weren't you? Yes. I was gonna do a bad flying pun. It didn't. I didn't quite get there. But our next story has to do. We should be, but we should somehow be united in our approach as we move forward to the next story. I set you up. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. I, I was I was hoping to to fly to. China with that. But anyway, so, you know, so anyway, um, as I think we have mentioned on the, the show before that United Airlines has had previously opened a flight school to help attract pilots. And there's a little bit of updates to the story. They have added, they're investing in it to expand the program right now, but they're also paying for the private pilot certification for a hundred percent of the students. And that is about $17,000 that they're adding. In addition, they're helping make loans available to cover the rest of the $70,000 cost of flight school and training by guaranteeing student pilots a job once they complete, like a conditional offer of employment, basically. Um, and that is, I think these, these are all, when taken together, th this, is, this is a pretty big deal. And it's exactly what we have been talking about on and off about the concept of, you know, if you, if, if you want your employees to do your jobs really well, you might need to just put them through the school on your own and train them on your own. And here's United really putting $100 million into that investment. That was that was the 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 number they they recently added is 100 million in the budget for that. So and basically they're making it even better because they're saying we're going to waive the $17,000 fee that you would have to pay if you went to a different school or do it on your own. Um, and then also they're guaranteeing a job. So it helps for loans because that's just, you know, I mean, imagine, you know, just same thing with any other school you'd go to, but also what makes this different is in the expansion of the program, 
they're going to be adding some elements that are outside of what is in the other program. So they're so basically they're making their pilot program because they have money, they're making it better than the other schools because they have more money to invest in it. So they're making their program better and more tailored to the planes they're actually going to be flying, which so it's a so they're making it a better program, which to me is what really makes it different. It's like, oh, well, you could go to a a private school or you could go to their school, which is now better than the private school and it's cost less. Well, and, and so it's funny because it, this seems like such a grand new idea and I think it's a great way to go. What I think is funny is if you look back through history, as I am wont to do, I guess yeah, it's what like happened, the Disney you know, college program. <laughs> it's, well, it's the college program at Disney or you go back even further. It's the apprenticeship program for any craftsman or any trade. You know, you'd go through yeah, an apprentice yep. program to be a fine artist. You'd get in, you get um, taken under the wing of a, a great artist and, and they'd have their own schools who would do, you know, they would do the grunt work for these great artists while learning and training to become great artists themselves. Um, the same was true on a much smaller scale with like a, a blacksmith. You know, the blacksmith would, would bring mm -hmm. on apprentices and they would learn the trade and then take over the blacksmith's position. You know, it's not exactly the same because it's not taking over somebody else's position. However, it is filling a need in the future and it's it's creating a, a single line of ascension from not knowing anything to being a well-respected and and revered employee of a company. So, you know, I, I, kudos to them. I, I think it makes total sense. Uh, and quite honestly, I yeah. think that uh, it it's going to benefit them more in the world of social media to take some money out of their marketing budget and put it into their training budget so that the guest experience is significantly better. Because let's be honest, yeah. um, I don't, I, I don't pay attention to, to airline TV ads or anything like that, but I certainly will look at a Yelp review. So um, if they're yeah. taking, if they're, if they're reallocating to take money away from their, their paid marketing and focus it on improving the guest experience, uh, I think that's really smart, especially long-term. Yeah. I also think it's something that we should be brainstorming more about and it, we don't need $100 million to do an apprenticeship program. As we, we've talked about other examples of smaller programs, but you, know, you don't need that amount of investment to do something. Uh, and I think the key here is, you know, can you offer something that is better than the education they're getting elsewhere or more unique or somehow tailored in a different way that just makes the experience uh, better for the student. That's and I think, you I know, think. to your point, when not, not needing, a, you know, a hundred gazillion dollars, um, if you are a smaller park and you happen to be in a, I don't know, let's say a, a college town or near a college town, or you got colleges mm -hmm. in your area or high schools in your area, um, depending on what level of training, offer those schools workshops, offer those schools specific training that will benefit you if people learn how to do it. Um, and, and offer those kinds of programs because it, in this time where staffing is tough, you gotta be smart. And if you can be smart by showing people how to do the job and to go, look how much fun this is, or look, you're already trained and they're not. So therefore you've got a leg up when you come in to apply. Um, or what I've even done in the past is I will do from a, a theater standpoint, I'll go to local college theater departments, do a um, uh, an audition workshop to train them how to do a live audition. And of course, I've also auditioned for things like film and video and commercials and that sort of thing. But I will do a, a workshop, and then the the last thing 
of the class or of the seminar is an audition for a project that I'm working on. So I, they actually get a chance to audition yep. for a paid job. Um, so this is just that on a grand scale, a really big scale. So take this, don't just say, well, I can't, I can't afford to create my own school to, to solve my staffing problem. Take the concept, not the magnitude and apply it, you know, in the right, the right level for, for you and for your budget and for your situation, for your neighborhood and environment. Well, moving on here, our, our, I think probably our last story for the show, it just has to do with kind of uh, stuff going on in China, <laughs> kind of the reopening. Um, we didn't talk about this on last week's show, but um, Shanghai Disneyland uh, is, is reopening with phased guidelines, you know, going back to uh, same, same type of guidelines that we had here when we were doing our phased reopenings. Um, but also, uh, Fantawild has also unveiled a new theme park brand, uh, Fanta Wild held a news conference on June 20th to announce its new theme park brand, Fanta Wild Wildland. Animated IPs such as Boonie Bears and Miraculous Ladybug, popular Chinese brands, are featured throughout the park with a science fiction twist, creating a world filled with imagination and advanced technology in its eight distinctly themed zones. There's so here's the thing. There's there's always like what we read and then like what's the reality of what's happening. So you kind of have to go somewhere in the middle, right? With 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 China. And I think the overall news is that yes, reopenings are happening, but it's still uncertain. And I can tell you from from what we deal with day to day, our factory being there, you know, they are reopen, but they're also kind of hearing every day that different zones or different buildings might be shut down or this or that. So it's kind of like everyone's still kind of on edge in terms of, you know, like you're, you're kind of paying close attention to where is locking down and what's happening and kind of listening to your neighbors say what they heard and this and that you're, that's still the vibe. So, so even though I think some of the news they're trying to put out is that tourism is reopening, it's still uncertain, which is important for us because that means that your supply chains still could potentially be disrupted if you are waiting on stuff to be there. So it's not like it's, I wouldn't say it's 100% guaranteed full steam ahead. That's, that would be my, my thing. Even though we're seeing these stories come out of these openings, I would say it's still, it's still like cautiously optimistic. Well, and again, I think that is a wise approach across the board, even though obviously people in the United States have pretty much said, eh, we're done. You know, we're not going to have any more. Yeah. Um, but that can, that can turn around and, and smack you in the, behind very, very quickly. So, um, it, yeah, I think we just have to recognize that this happened out of nowhere and could come back out of nowhere. And it's, it's clear that China is significantly more cautious about it than, uh, than they are in the States. And, um, so yes, you're, they're not full, as you know, based on uh, the, the culture, they're not full go there yet. Um, but, at the same time, it's it's not a bad lesson for the rest of us either, because this could come back at us at any time. And, you know, as we've said before, the only way to be prepared for the next pandemic or the next catastrophe is to constantly stay prepared and continue to uh, explore yeah. those multiple um, supply lines and those those multiple delivery chains. So keep that all in mind. Well, as, as we started in Philip's neighborhood and ended up in, in China, uh, we've kind of taken a travel log 
around the world uh, in today's show. But our 30 minutes are up. So on behalf of Philip Hernandez and myself, Scott Swenson, thank you so much for listening. Again, please share the show with anybody you think would be interested. And we will see you next week for Green Tag, Theme Park in 30. Okay, that's it for today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for our weekly Haunt News Roundup. Just a reminder, we are preparing for our annual Hauntathon. If you have a haunt that you would like us to cover on the show, please contact us and let us know about it. We do cover haunts, both large and small, during a Hauntathon. And if you just have news that you want us to cover for your haunt, we do run a weekly newsletter and we are accepting submissions for inclusion in our weekly Haunt News Roundup. So if you just have news to send, send that over as well. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, Haunters, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.